we have uh, been doing a series in Grand Rapids. A lot of the small churches around, in our fellowship around the Midwest and around the country, have been doing this series called Treasuring God. Oh, yeah. And have you guys been doing it? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I'm doing one that's not part of the series. So this is like a preview. I specifically look to see what Jeremy's going to do next week, and I'm doing that.
For some reason, they all start with the letter P. So you can, you can keep these in mind. The three promises. The first one is, God has a promise of passion. What do I mean by that? These promises of passion. It means that God is saying, I am headed over heels in love with you. Wow. I love you like not just like a not just like a boyfriend girlfriend love or even like a husband and wife love or like a parent child love like all of those loves put together like I love you with every fiber of my being. In fact, I God am made out of this thing that you call love, and you don't even understand that. But that's who I am. And so there are several promises that fall under this category of a promise of passion. God is constantly communicating. Head over heels in love with us. If I asked us to quote, don't look in your Bible, just what is John 3 16? I'm pretty sure we could all do it, right? For God loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believed in him shall not perish, will have eternal life. Classic NFL scripture. <laughs> Distant thing, this far away thing. Wow. Wow. 
Like, yeah, I, I'm reading this, and I know God loves me someday in heaven. Right. Sure. I'll see yeah. it reveal it. Right. But we don't, we don't have it with us now. Wow. We never feel God's deep affection in the moment. And here's my, for each of these I'm going to have some like diagnosis questions for us. Here's the first one. And I know that there's a church answer to this. But I'm looking for your, like, your Thursday morning answer. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Do I think God only loves me until I mess up? Wow. Like, God's love for me is high when I am obedient. And then when I am not, God's love for me is low. And I'm not saying that you can, like, sin without consequences or there's no problems, like, that you can do whatever you want. We can't do whatever we want, but we can also not link God's ability to love us to our ability to obey. Right. Wow. When you are at your worst, God still loves you. Yeah. And he doesn't love you less than when you're at your best. And when you're at your best, he doesn't love you more. That's the other flip side of this that we think, like if I if I'm if I'm super spiritual for a, like a good stretch of time, day or week or month, then man, I'm really in I'm really in the Lord's favor. God loves me. He does not love you more because you are, are doing better at obeying. Why is that? Because God cannot turn down His love. He cannot. He is incapable of, like, throttling back his love. Do I think God's presence comes and goes with my emotions? When I feel good, God is close. When I feel bad, God is distant. That's because we don't we might believe the promises of God, but we don't live like we believe the promises of God. Amen. Yeah. And then God is going to do stuff in our life. God is going to be working in us and working around us and through us all the time. And sometimes God is going to give us something that's going to make us feel like, wow, this is not fun right now. And he did it to his one and only son. Did it to all the apostles. And for some reason, when he does it to us, we think God has left us. God is, we think, we, we rarely think, man, what is God training me for right now? And we jump right to, why is God being mean to me? <laughs> it's because we might believe the promises, but we don't actually live like we believe the promises. Yeah. God is a passionate, loving God. 100%, you can't do anything to make that even 99.5%. He will always be 100% loving. And then he's still going to do things in our lives that are going to make us feel uncomfortable or sad or whatever it is. But the entire first category of, of, um, of promises is the promise of passion. Lump in there, Psalm 23, 
Jeremiah 29, 11, like, like promises where God's like, I, I'm, I love you, I've got you, it'll be okay. Right? Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a second branch to that. Here's the next category of promises, okay? This is the promise of provision. It's a little more like nuts and bolts. Like the promise of passion is all heart. The promise of provision is a little bit more like boots on the ground, nuts and bolts. This is how we're going to get through this thing called life. Yeah. That is the promise that God is making to us that He is the one who takes care of us. Yeah. Got some scripture for Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. I know this one. Yeah. I won't ask this to quote at all, but therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Yeah. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, before I go on, i got more scriptures, but it's easy to confuse the promise of provision with the promise of uh, prosperity. And even this verse is, is tricky. Because you read, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And you're like, and I've, I've heard that preached, uh, like, especially by the televangelists. Yeah. And they'll be like, what things? All things! Just name it, all of those things. What do you want? That's in there too. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all that stuff, God will give you. Here's, here's my conviction about this scripture, okay? He's talking to people in the first century who would, if we had to live like they were living, we would think we were in a survival situation. And none of us live that way. We all have life extremely comfortable. Our lives, the, 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 the poorest of us is probably richer than anyone except the kings and the pharaohs and Caesars and the yeah. And if they saw what you have, they would be like, you live a magical, privileged life. Right? Yeah, that's true. We do. And Jesus is saying, there's things you're running after. Food and drink? Clothing. And when he says, all these things will be given to you, really, I kind of stop there. Right. Yeah. So here's, what, here's, here's my take on this. If I stay close to God and stay close to family of God, I can pretty much guarantee two things won't happen. I won't starve to death. And I won't freeze to death. Yeah. And I've seen that proved time and time again. 
And if any of you think you're about on the verge of starvation, just wait like 20 minutes. <laughs> but if you think like I, I'm exposed to the elements, um, then you, you, I would encourage you to tell someone. Yeah. And we actually have. We have people at our old church say, I'm getting kicked out of my house to do that. And I mean, I don't know. We're homeless. And we were able, we were able to, to make it work. I do not look at the promise of provision as some like far-flung promise of prosperity. Yeah. That God is going to give me everything I want. Because then, who am I to think I deserve better than the Son of God, Jesus Christ, yeah. who was homeless, a bum, and uh, and died a horrible death? Yeah. Why? Why am I more special than Jesus? That I get, I get to live above. Alright, here's another one. Malachi 3, hey, we read this. Still prophet. Saying what God said. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation. Because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruits before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be delightful. This is God saying, You think you provide for yourself. And that is wrong. You need to shift your thinking and see that I am the one who provides for you. Amen. When you provide for yourself, it's a disaster. Yeah, that's true. Golly, talk about it. The promises of provision are also the promises of trust. Yeah. The trust of peace, even like the promise of peace in our heart, that's something that God provides also. You can't even put a price tag on it. That's right. But, we always confuse us with prosperity. We always think that God needs to give us the things that will make us happy or keep up with other people. We are trapped in this comparison game with other people. And God's like, I am not going to play that. Yeah. If that's what you want, you're not going to find it in my provision. Yeah. One last thing before we move on. Deuteronomy 8. I was just talking to Jen about this uh, last night. Alright. He brings them through the wilderness and then he just drops this nugget on them. It's amazing. He says, Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. And I just think about did any of them think about that while they were right. walking through the wilderness? Did any of them stop and just be like, you know what? My feet should hurt a lot more than they do, but God must be taking care of us. Wow. Physically, materially, our clothes, why haven't our clothes worn out? Like, I'm sure none of them stopped to praise God for this miracle that he was doing. And yet, we make the same mistake all the time in two ways, okay? One way, we are not grateful when God is taking care of us. We are horrible 
meeting our needs. Why? Because we think, well, well of course he should be. I don't have to thank him for this. Uh, it go well for us. We're like, well, that's what I expect, God. The other thing is, we turn our back on the promise of provision. We take on the role of our own provider. And this is what's funny. I, when, I, when I read this scripture in Deuteronomy 8, I think about like, how much of my stuff is my stuff? How much of my stuff is God's stuff? Yeah. Because what I, what I want is I want my stuff to be God's stuff because God takes care of his stuff. And you remember when we did the lesson on the, the kingdom when we kept using the pavilion as the thing? Like, this is God's protection over his provision over all this stuff. And yet we keep being like, no, 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 no. This is this is not, this isn't God's guitar. This is my guitar. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to head out. I just feel like God's like, you know, if, if you step outside of my Last one for 
again, I've said this before, if I got to be the boss of the whole universe, that's not how I would do things. I would just solve everyone's problems myself. But I'm not the boss of the universe. And what I can show you from the Bible, clearly, time and time again, is that when there's a person in need, whether physical or spiritual, God works by bringing another person into their life. Acts 13, 47. God would never use someone like you? Or do you look around and you see other people that seem more spiritual, or more capable, or richer, or flashier, or smarter, or more with it? Like, well, God will use them. He will not use me. If you've ever thought that, then you are not believing the promises of When was the last time I invited someone to church? When was the last time I told anyone anything about what Jesus is doing in my life? It's easy to read these scriptures and be like, hmm, yes, I believe the promises of the heart. But the harder question is, do I live like I believe? One last little story. The boys were learning how to swim. Everett, we gave Everett swimming lessons as a little baby and it traumatized them. I don't know if I would do it. If I, if I could go back, probably would just let them figure it out. <laughs> he was afraid of the water for years after these lessons when he was a baby. And something really like, when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so profound. But I'm holding Everett. I pick him up. He's a baby. I pick him up. And we're standing on the side of the pool, on the, on the concrete. And I want to get into the water. 
feels 100% safe in my arms on the side of the top. The reality is, if I dropped him, it would be very dangerous for him to fall on his arm. Like, I'm looking at Jeremy. He's, he's taller than I am, but if he dropped his baby, it would be very dangerous. But he didn't, but Everett didn't feel in danger. Yeah. And then, I start walking into the water, and Everett starts feeling really scared. And he starts freaking out. Now, is he any more in danger here versus I'm fully capable of holding myself. But he felt more in danger in the water than on the side. When in fact, it was probably even more dangerous on the side. Right, yeah. And I'm saying that because there are times when we reject the promises of God and we do not feel like he's uh, passionately in love with us. We do not feel like he's the one taking care of us, and we do not feel like he'll partner with us. We start to like push back, and we fight him. Wow. And things can go bad. I'm trying to warn you that if you continue to fight God and refuse to believe the promises that He's made us, things can actually go really bad for you. Wow. And it's not because God is abandoning you; it's because you are purposefully rejecting. Do I believe God's promises? The question is, do I live like I believe God's promises? And the answer is no a lot of the times. You just have to be honest with right, yeah, right. Sometimes I wish people had the guts to come up to me and be like, I do not believe God. Wow. I know it's in the Bible, but I don't believe it. At least that would be consistent with the way that we live. Yeah, wow. It's fake when we say, oh yeah, I totally believe it.
properly afford. And Jesus' demonstration of using people to help people is John and his mom. He's like, hey, you need something, and I'm not going to be here to provide it for you anymore. I want you, I want you to have this person. And they were able to, to help each other. So I, as you take communion, I want you to think about these promises. I want you to have a little conversation with Jesus right now. I just want you to think about do you believe that God is head over heels and over? Do you believe that God can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself? Do you believe that somewhere out there, there is someone that God wants to help and wants to